Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide, and joining me today is Daniel Digon Gonzalez of Ven. Twitch and esports have fully embraced co-streaming. The idea is to have streamers act as commentators to their large audiences by broadcasting events such as NBA G League or the LCS Summer Split. Riot Games has already initiated a new co-streaming program called the LCS Watch Party that aims to create more engaging content. But for personalities like Monte Cristo, he finds the rise in co-streaming as problematic for the esports industry at large, hurting brand partnerships and leaning more on personalities than on the actual esport. So, Dion, first, thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. You know, I think before we kind of go into the nitty gritty of the co-streaming and the rise of it and how it relates to the esports industry at large, I wanted to ask you, you know, what was kind of like the first uh, or maybe an early iteration of co-streaming that you saw in which you were actually surprised by how well it did as a form of broadcast? Yeah, I think um, in in terms of co-streaming, a lot of that was not uh, available in traditional sports right because you, at, at the very beginning of like an nfl broadcast they're like all rights and all things contribute yeah. <laughs> you know, to uh, the nfl blah 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 right so you're not very used to that type of environment but when you move on over to the digital space specifically the esports space there is always a strong feeling that you want to hear the game from your um your favorite personalities and so for me i i think it has been over the last I would say year or so, the League of Legends co-streams for me, it's my two uh, podcast buddies, LS and I Will Dominate. Those two guys have very strong opinions on the game, how it's done. And there's always a limit towards what an official broadcaster or shoutcaster can say on the official broadcast. Like they have to, you have to be some sort of, uh, you know, politically correct, or even sometimes put the kitty gloves on because you have long lasting relationships with these franchises and with these players. Whereas these co-streamers, they can come on and say anything that they want as strong as they want. And the fact that there's viewership there that Riot can count and attribute towards uh, leads to this like benefit for uh, Riot as well. You know, I thought what was interesting is that uh, for NBA G League, uh, one streamer, I, I think I'm pronouncing uh, his or her name correctly, Gales, Gales, uh has jumped up on Twitch's top channels by hours watched for the between, well, in the last week, uh, part of the Esports Observer. And right now they're at number two, just behind XQC. And, you know, according to the Esports Observer, a lot of that is attributed to uh, the G League co-stream. And... I mean, is that at all shocking to you that, you know, you're going to see personalities jump up because of the content that they're co-streaming? I thought, you know, I, at, to a certain extent, I thought it was maybe the other way around. Like the G League was coming to the streamers to try to, you know, get more viewers from them. No, you know, the, these big monolithic orgs are a little too old and too aloof to understand the power of the personality, which is what we're actually starting to see in this celebrity boxing realm as well, right? How many mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. tuned in to watch uh you know the fight with mayweather and whichever brother it was whichever <laughs> Logan. brother it was right logan paul right. right uh and even before that the trailer fights before that it is personality driven personality based the boxing commission wouldn't even think about that type of thing there are different sure. types of organizations they're starting to realize that one of them specifically in the boxing space is ring usa that is allowing co-streaming and allowing others to use that rights but 
TV and traditional monetary models are so reliant on your viewership, on your broadcast, that I think if you let the cat out of the bag and, you know, advertisers would be like, wait, I'm paying you a ton of money for, you know, your broadcast, or I could pay way less for one person to broadcast on their own to get, you know, a fraction, but a, you know, a decent size of the viewership. I might take that more cost-effective approach. You know, I, I imagine that some of these deals are rather complicated. You know, for example, if uh, if Riot is going to be working with Pokimane to do a co-stream, I'm sure she's sponsored by brands that uh, are maybe in competition with the brands that are part of the LCS or things like that. And I do know that Riot does have kind of strict rules at, as to what co-streamers can do. I mean, do you have any idea how any of this stuff on the broadcast realm is actually kind of, you know, regulated? Uh, you know, I think that is the big question right now on how Riot will work with co-streamers that are so big that they have their own sponsorships that are contenders. A lot of mm -hmm. the time, Riot will will just have like a, a, a no tolerance policy in terms of like, hey, are, we're the big boat, we get the gas. So therefore, we're giving you this opportunity. That's the way they see it. We're mm -hmm. giving you this opportunity to broadcast the biggest esport in the world. So therefore, you're not going to be able to, um, you know, you have to show our sponsors. That That is one thing that is definitely in the fine print. You have to show the sponsors and all the ads and all that stuff during it. You can't cover things with your overlay. Um, but, and, and they've been... Uh, patient enough to find other people within the space that if that doesn't work out, they'll go to the next person. They'll go to the next person. I mean, it's big enough that you have choice there if you're a riot. So I think that's the big question on, hey, who wins out when you start putting these big streamers together that are in competition? I think that there's a way around it. Obviously, it, it works in traditional sports and traditional uh, 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 media, but uh, I feel like that's tough. Who's going to concede first? Who's going to blink first? That's going to be very exciting. Yeah, and I think another question that a lot of people have is uh, to what extent are people loyal to the streamer versus the actual game being played, right? I, You know, for example, when Valorant was first, uh, you know, making its waves and was kind of in this weird invite-only uh, space, top streamers like Pokemon and whatnot were pulling in amazing viewers. And, you know, if, if, if she's... Uh, broadcasting, an, uh, I don't know, the summer split, are people there watching for her or for, for League of Legends, right? Uh, or any other game, right? And, you know, how does a, how does Riot kind of tell that to its partners, its advertisers, that, hey, you know, we amassed such and such views, but, you know, to what extent are these views actually loyal to Riot games? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it's very easy for audiences to dislike the big, organization to dislike the big the 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 big fish right so mm -hmm. you know think of like again traditional sports the nfl like people don't like the nfl they like the players they like their teams but they don't like the nfl and if you game between teams and players most people would pick players over teams because they're making all the money and all of that stuff right and so i think that when you are co-streaming you are getting mostly that audience's viewership not as much hardcore fans that also wanted a secondary experience you're you're getting some of that but most of it is hey i care about what this person says and i kind of don't care about what the product is i love this person oh the product this day is uh the lcs summer finals sweet i'll tune in because i didn't know that pokimane or whoever knew about this stuff and what insights they have or what questions they're having and that to me it, again it's personality 
driven. You're, you, you are being magnetized, polarized by the personality. And so uh, I think at the end of the day, Riot will take the numbers gladly and say, hey, look how big our show was. Right. That's it. And uh, but, you know, I think trying to quantify what's the long term growth there from that. Um, and if they don't co-stream in the future, how many people will stick around will be very difficult. You know, as somebody who's a host for Venn, I mean, what have the internal conversations been around at Venn regarding co-streaming, whether it be you wanting to co-stream an event or Venn wanting to co-stream some kind of event? I mean, what are, you know, I mean, what, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, I, I think it's always trying to figure out, does this fit for us? And is this a cost-effective usage of our time? Like a lot of Venn right now is uh, uh, moving away from live content and closer towards uh, uh, digital non-demand content. And so we're seeing our uh, YouTube channel continue to grow as well as creating uh, high quality um recorded pieces. And mm -hmm. so I think those are the types of considerations we've had specifically at Venn. We did do, uh, we had a partnership with Blast Pro League where we had our secondary string, uh, stream. It was myself and Smix, as well as many guests from the Counter-Strike space. And so the big considerations uh, from that was like, hey, uh, does this make sense for us? Does this help us boost our esports uh, uh, reach? And it did. Does this create a high value uh, um, viewership uh, spectacle it did and it was really cool to have like positive comments from the counter-strike scene who are notoriously known for uh dislike it being very vocal about things they dislike new things included um and so i think those are the types of considerations we have are we providing high value both from a viewer experience uh and does it you know make financials uh sense for us not even like a monetary gain but also just like is this a smart play here and uh those are the types of considerations we have. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before something goes wrong, right? Let's say, I don't know, Rainbow Six decides to allow co-streaming and the personality that they uh, allow to co-stream, you know, does something wrong or incorrect on, on stream. I mean, would that, I mean, it, it, essentially, like, do you think that's going to be the point in which companies will start to reel back? No, no, no. I don't think they'll derail it. I think right now companies, esports survived, you know, in, in a time where many industries contracted. It not only survived, it thrived. And now the boom is starting to slow down because people are being able to go outside. They have more options and more opportunities uh, to do new and different things. So I think esports as an industry is in a place where they just need the numbers. Continue to find ways to grow because you had this once in a lifetime situation where people were stuck inside and your content was easily and readily available and already built in. You know, one thing about the, you know, quarantine was it was a terrible time to start being a streamer. It was an amazing time to already be a streamer. And the esports the e e industry was already that. It was a terrible time for all these traditional sports to try and figure out how to get their product back online. It was a great time for esports to already have been there. But now the next big question is how do we continue this momentum and this growth? And I think one way to do it is to play on the personalities that follow along with it. Or maybe they don't, but are so dang polarizing that you can't not watch. I mean, what what do you think has not been fully realized with co-streaming yet? I mean, it's, it still does seem more in very early stages. Yeah, uh, you know, I would say a secondary broadcast is one of them. They're starting to dance around it a little bit. Riot is doing their radio broadcast, which is cool. I've seen Thorin do uh, secondary commentary for Counter-Strike recently as well. 
But a lot of it right now is, hey, here's my personality and we're going to, you know, just talk about it the way that we want to. Maybe some sort of interactivity, maybe like a check-in with the live broadcast to a co-streamer. But I know the uh, technical logistics on that back end is pretty difficult. But those, I think those are two small uh, examples there that uh, co-streaming can continue to grow and feel more of like a, a part of the show, part of the community, a part of the spectacle. And, you know, we also have, you know, events uh, coming up like E3 and whatnot. I guess, you know, those are just all promotional events. Uh, do you th do you think that co uh, streamers will feel kind of exploited by this? Or, I mean, are they getting paid very well by uh, being allowed to co-stream? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think on the back end, anytime you're a big fish, you always have uh, a seat at the negotiation table, um, which bodes well for those uh bigger fish but i think for co-streamers uh for events that like like e3 maybe it's not um you know e3 has gone digital and it has been uh, at times kind of regressing i think they're looking for ways to continue to level up their broadcast and reach their audience for example this year ven is the official tiktok uh broadcast of e3 so mm -hmm. we're trying to reach a younger generation, uh, generation on the platform that they're at. A lot of the time companies fail when they're like, hey, we're here, but that's not where people are at. You know, you build it, they will come. You have to go where they're at and then build it and then they'll come because they're already there. Uh, so I think that co-streamers that are pulling off uh, bigger events, but maybe they themselves are smaller, have that opportunity for uh, explosive growth like growth like we saw from uh, uh, our G League example, right? I didn't know that person beforehand. And then now uh, they're on our radar because of how big the co-stream has become. I think the exposure there from co-streaming for something that you would already have been doing or watched on your own uh, is a boost. But if you are big enough that you can uh, quantifiably show, hey, I'm gonna have X amount viewers uh, watching this event uh, if you give me rights to do this and let's, let's negotiate something, I think that's a, you know, it's a different uh, stratosphere of uh, of uh, an experience. Yeah, I think you know. I think what some people who have been discussing the potential negatives of co-streaming, what they don't realize is that there's a potential greater upside for pro players that have retired, right? So mm -hmm. uh, a Valorant pro player or an Overwatch pro player that decides to, you know, leave the game, it, they can use co-streaming as a way to continue building streaming revenue and have some kind of, you know, incoming, well, I guess income, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh, that's pretty funny because that was the big argument at the early stages, I would say, after the first generation of stars in the North American League uh, Legends Championship Series. Dignitas players were like, you know, Scara, Cutie Pie, even I Will Dominate were like, I could make more money streaming than playing. Right. <laughs> and I have a whole ton of people just crapping on me for my play but I could just make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing here. And player, pro players that you watch now in esports do it for the love of the game. They do it because they want to win. Their drive for competition is, it's so hard to quantify for people that haven't tried to reach the highest levels of competition in anything. It's very hard to say because in my time with Golden Guardians, I was managing the squad. Uh, I was pushing them very hard to use their socials and they just did it. They, they wanted to get another solo queue game in. They wanted to practice. They needed, you know, their rehab. They were so much more focused on that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time you find players losing sight of the post 
career. And co-streaming is one of those things. And now I think will be a common place for many retired players or people with insights that a lot of people won't have. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think regardless of, you know, what people might say or what commentators might say regarding, you know, how it's potentially harmful for uh, the esports industry. The fact of the matter is that uh, all these brands do need to get eyeballs onto these events. And, you know, whether they uh, whether they decide to pay NBC or, you know, Skara or whatever, any, any uh, top streamer, at the end of the day, it like accomplishes their goal, right? Um, right. And, you know, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to understand kind of where the the idea of like it destroying the esports narrative is coming from. Well, I think that comes from the fact that advertisers, it's, it's like what I said earlier, advertisers might find out that, hey, we would rather spend way less to pay one person uh, to get a fraction of it, then pay a lot more for to be on the official broadcast uh, and, and sponsor that. Like it, it gives an out to advertisers because again, the traditional model through TV, through linear media is TV rights. And that's what so mm -hmm. many things are built upon. And esports is so ripe and built for that. It is, it has followed that model. It hasn't followed like a pay-per-view model, like a subscription thing. It it started out completely free, but to to broadcast it required, you know, a, a camera op, you know, a, a network technician, a director, a producer, a technical director. And as these shows continue to grow and raise up in quality, they're it's expensive and it requires a lot of bodies to do that. Where does that come from though? That comes from uh, the advertisers that are after eyes and views, but now with other people that have nothing to do with the broadcast, then getting a piece of the buy because they have the eyes, but not the product. And it takes away from putting money into the product. You could see how that then hurts esports industry overall. I don't know. I still, I still feel that you know, if I'm watching a Super Smash Brothers tournament and I'm watching a co-stream with Leffen or Hungrybox or any of these top players, uh, regardless of how good the commentators uh, might be, I mean, there's definitely a, a certain level of insight you can only get from being a pro player and having spent years in this scene. I mean, if they're if Leffen is commentating a match between I don't know Mango and whoever else, I mean, he could talk about that time they were at a party or whatever, and you know, he learned something really salient about you know the the opposing player and you know what mango should do to try to beat him etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't know i think it would uh, it could potentially make for a more valuable uh entertainment product well it, it does and from a viewership perspective it definitely does but if you're mm -hmm. the one running the broadcast it's like okay say you know the smash tournament's getting like all right we're getting five thousand viewers uh but then left streams getting twenty thousand right 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 the five the five thousand viewership channel uh it, you know might have a donate button or or something of that nature because that's how smash community fgc works they're a lot more like grassroots and you know yes you, yes, you yes. want to help out the homies but if you're watching on leffen's channel leffen's not going to have a button to donate to the broadcast to put on this event to put go to the prize pool leffen's going to have that for themselves and so i think that again is where part of the issue comes in you could say then all right yeah we'll pay to have leffen come on to the show but now uh, Leffen knows, hey, this is how much I would make streaming at that time. It's an exorbitant amount, probably almost two-thirds, eh, half to two-thirds of how much the whole broadcast costs in general is how much he would make if he streamed it. So right. you're just kind of like caught in this like, this financially isn't making sense right now if the big co-streamers aren't 
helping support or direct towards the broadcast. Now, again, different in um, uh, FGC than it is in Riot or Blizzard or slash Activision because of the scale of those uh, shows and how many viewers they get in. And again, the grassroots nature of the FGC. But the same principle still remains. Maybe the percentage of how much a co-streamer would cost, both having giving them the rights to co-stream or spending the money to pay up front to have them on the broadcast and not knowing quantitatively uh, how big the impact is, but you know that the quality of the broadcast has gone up. Like that is kind of like this catch-22 position that companies are at where I feel like if they co-stream... Co-streamers have to be like, all right, well, or the companies have to ask the co-streamers to give them their numbers. Hey, show us the insights, give us the numbers, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, and we want that to be part of our reporting. So it does seem that, you know, whatever broadcast decides to co-stream, it has to be a, a balance of incentives, right? Um, right. And you ultimately can't have that mismatch or somebody ends up not coming out happy. Uh, but with that, Digon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Ahmad, thank you for having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to FTWAhmad.com. To follow Digon, you can find him at Digon on Twitter or on Ven, which can be found on YouTube, Samsung TV+, the Roku channel, or Twitch. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrika Damore and Jacob Wolf. Executive producers are Kevin Morris and Thomas Tischio. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.